The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Welcome to The Daily Break. I'm Andrew Tallman. Here's what's happening today at Newsweek. The amount of research that goes into treating, identifying, and preventing cancer is enormous for very obvious reasons. But one of the things that scientists have long been looking for, something that they think of as their holy grail, would be a very easy blood test that could be given to somebody early on during a cancer infection or even just in a pre-cancerous condition that might somehow be used sort of across the board for sample testing of people who might be at risk or people who simply want to find out if they might be in the early phases of cancer before anything that would be symptomatic or identifiable would show up. Well, now it looks like some scientists might be, and I say might be, on the verge of discovering that. According to a study published Tuesday in the journal Cell Reports, the lead author of the research, Dr. Daniel Kim at the University of California, Santa Cruz, says that they've identified a gene named KRAS, which produces a protein that releases in the early stages of cancer infections when the tumors are the most curable. KRAS happens to be the most frequent genetic mutation across all cancer tumors, including lung, bowel, and pancreatic. The KRAS gene regulates RNA, ribonucleic acid molecules, that translate instructions encoded in our DNA, and lab experiments have found that cancer-triggering variants wrongly activate others that can be detected in the blood through a sequencing or mapping. And in this case, they're looking at a minimally invasive technique called liquid biopsy rather than traditional tumor tissue surgery. So the researchers basically put the mutant KRAS into healthy lung cells and petri dishes, pushing them over into a cancerous state, performed RNA sequencing using several different methods, and then used computer simulations to identify prevalent RNA compared to control cells. And if all of that sounds like gobbledygook to you, here's the takeaway. You had a group of researchers working in a multi or interdisciplinary environment that tried to think about RNA and cancer in a different way, and they came up with what they think would be a relatively easy to administer blood test to identify pre-cancer or early cancer cells operating in the body on the basis of these secretions into the bloodstream. Now, at this point, they're not thinking that this would completely replace other screening programs, but would rather augment them or add to them. But certainly if this pans out, whether for some or all cancers, what a tremendous advance in the ability to identify people who are early infections or at serious risk before they have the normal kind of course of symptoms and tumors and biopsies to go through. One of the more interesting Twitter handles is at CelebJets. It's an automated flight tracking Twitter feed that will show you where various celebrities are flying their jets. And this is possible to do because, you know, the numbers are public information and they're registered and then you can track the flights using uh, publicly available information. And this one just happens to sort of auto produce these tweets that tell you where celebrities are flying. There have been issues in the past with some celebrities complaining about this, some even trying to buy them off. Or uh, I think there was one, if I recall, that they were offered to pay money for it, that I would stop reporting on your jet if only you'll pay me. In any case, that's not the subject for today. Instead, Kylie Jenner. Now, look, I will confess, I don't pay a lot of attention to Kylie Jenner, but the Twitter feed recently put out several tweets about her flights using her private plane, which were extraordinarily short, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, in one case, three minutes. 
Yes, a three-minute flight on Kylie Jenner's private jet, going from Camarillo, California to Van Nuys, California. A three-minute jaunt. And in connection with that, she was getting a lot of criticism for wasting fuel, damaging the environment, being white privileged, all of this stuff. And although she hasn't directly responded to those allegations, an aviation advisor and pilot, Fabrizio Poli, says... Yeah, sometimes people are using their private jet the wrong way or in a way that doesn't make any sense to us. On the other hand, very small flights like this, the 15 or 20 minute variety, can be easily explained as people just taking others up in the jet for the experience of doing it, like you might take a friend for a ride around the block in the new car you've bought. But even something as silly as the three minute flight might be explained by being a repositioning flight, you know. The person that you're trying to pick up is here, but the plane is over there for whatever reason, so you move the plane to the person. In much the same way that you might call for an Uber or a taxi cab, you call for your plane and they move it to where you are, or they move it in advance of where you are in order to wait for you because they know that's where you're going to be the next time you need the plane. Now, far be it from me to defend or even care an awful lot about Kylie Jenner's plane use habits, but it's always nice to know that there is a fairly simple explanation or at least a plausible explanation for behavior that at first looks pretty ridiculous. A three-minute jet flight in California. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. And finally, a note from the Technology is Fascinating file. Are you familiar with the concept of a CAPTCHA? CAPTCHAs are the little tests that are put into websites in order to make sure that you're a human being instead of a bot. And the purpose of these is either to keep the automated programs called bots out of the website from polluting the data or overwhelming them or mistakenly thinking that 42,000 identical reviews of a particular product are legitimate people. All different kinds of reasons that you want to make sure that the only thing that's interacting with your website is a real person. Well, CAPTCHAs come in all different kinds of shapes and sizes. You have ones that show text, the most primitive ones, show text in sort of hard-to-read ways that the human eye can discern sometimes, not always, but that a robot operating on the internet has a difficulty picking up. You have ones that are pictures, and it'll say, show me how many, or click on the number of ones that contain a dog or a taxi, and it's pictures of plants and houses and then a couple of cars. You also have audio captures that will play a sound for you, and then you have to type the word into the box. There's math captures that ask you what the number 7 times 7 is, and you enter it in. And there's even ones that offer you basic word problems. And then there are some of the even more sophisticated ones, like the time-based one. You know, bots that are filling out forms they encounter on the internet do it very quickly, almost instantaneously. People have to actually read the form and then click on the whatever it is. So, ironically, the human is slower, and that's how you know they're real. They're using honeypot captures. A honeypot captcha is something you can't see on the page, but the bot picks it up because it's basically invisible but only to them. And so when they're filling out forms that humans don't even see, you know you've got a bot on your hands. The one that I find the most interesting, and you've probably all seen it, is the reCAPTCHA. That's the one that just, you check the box, Google uses these that say, I am not a robot, and you maybe have wondered, how can that be helpful? Well, bots are very precise and methodical, and they will enter the check mark precisely in the middle of that box, typically. Humans never do. Humans always put it in some slightly off place, and that's the test. 
So kind of like the time-based one, that shows you the imperfections of the human as opposed to the natural and unavoidable perfectionism built into bots. So now you understand the territory, right? That's what's going on with CAPTCHAs on the internet. But what happens when CAPTCHAs go wrong? What happens when somebody produces a CAPTCHA that really was a mistake? I take you now to Reddit's mildly infuriating forum where a user posted a screen grab of a website for their municipal services in their township. And the caption is very simple. It's got a little picture of a black outline square with green filled into the box. And then the text simply says, what is the color of the box above? Select and from a drop down menu, you can pick green. Easy, right? I mean, obviously you figured out what's the problem. Uh, colorblind people. <laughs> Yeah, you're supposed to think about this before you produce a website that discerns people from bots when some people can't pass the test. Ironically, it's very easy for a bot to identify the color. So the Reddit form was, of course, very critical of this pattern. And in fact, it might be a violation of the law, Section 508 of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973, which in 2017 was updated and added accessibility requirements for information and communications technology. So this is exactly the kind of thing that you're not supposed to put on your municipal website for allowing citizens to access like their sanitation records or pull a building permit. Because after all, it's perfectly okay to discriminate against the bots. It's not okay to discriminate against the colorblind. That's it for the Daily Break. Be sure to head over to Newsweek.com for these stories and more, including our growing podcast lineup. And consider subscribing to the digital and print editions of Newsweek and this podcast if you haven't already. Hit the five-star rating before you go in order to prove you're not a bot. I'm Andrew Tallman. Thanks for listening to the Daily Break, brought to you by Newsweek. Newsweek.